To interesting recipes, every page has a brief history and a photo of the person. Bring it to Tennessee Farm Table. Butter beans, peas, beets, and chard. Chickens running in the yard. Catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to Tennessee Farm Table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and Much crack and pound cake. Sarah's mother died by giving stove. birth to her. Her bring it to Tennessee Farm Table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop him black gang candy stripes. Look at him loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee Farm Table. Bring it to Tennessee Farm Table. Today on the Tennessee Farm Table, we're setting the table with apple cider. Diane Flint, co-owner of Froggy Ridge Cider in Dugsburg, Virginia, will be our feature. I recorded Diane's presentation at the Appalachian Food Summit. Mary Constantine, food writer for the Knottsville New Sentinel newspaper, has a warming recipe for mulled cider. And I also have to share a good amount of activities that are agriculturally related that are going on in our region. So I hope you enjoy this show today, talking about apple cider. Chuck and Diane Flint, owners of Froggy Ridge Cider, grow heirloom apples, ancient apples, apples with history and taste. Diane states that we should be as concerned as what's in our glass as what's on our plate. So I hope that you enjoy this special feature here today on the Tennessee Farm Table. So let's hear now from Diane Flint on her presentation about heirloom apples and cider. So anyway, I did come bringing some apples. I, I hope everyone who can, who is interested can grab an Ash Meets Kernel, which is a wonderful apple, not for sissies. I'll talk a little <laughs> bit about this one. Um, but um, when I, it's just delightful to be here. I see so many friends in the room, and I hope those of you I don't know, by the end of the day today, I'm sure I'll consider you friends as well. So come up and speak. I can nerd out on apples with the best of them. <laughs> I attest. <laughs> but I'm reminded um, often when I gather with food friends about my Georgia grandmother, who was um, like so many Southern women who, who cooked foods of poverty, she was just a talented make-do chef. I mean, she could take some really sorry vegetables and she could, she could do what she called livening them up. Yeah. She could liven them up. I mean, potato salad, and I don't know why we all didn't die of homemade poison because it sat outside in Georgia, you know, under no refrigeration for three days. And then she'd liven it up with some pickle juice and we'd have it for dinner. Um, and her best tools were um, pork jowl and pickle juice. That's, she, she swore that those um, were great to liven up anything. But whenever our grandmother, we called her Meemaw, whenever Meemaw made anything that took labor, like a pie, and in Georgia we ate a lot of pies, whenever she made her leaf lard pie crust, 
she would insist on using only the best ingredients. She was going to spend a lot of labor making that dish, and it had to be the best blackberries and the freshest peaches and really flavorful apples. And she'd say, you know, honey, you can put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. <laughs> so ingredients are in my DNA. And when my husband Chuck Flint and I, he's the handsome man in the second row, <laughs> right over there next to Randy. <laughs> when Chuck and I founded Foggy Ridge Cider in 1997, we founded it with the goal of growing great ingredients. And our vision was that on our hills and hollers over in our little corner of Southwest Virginia, Carroll and Floyd counties, um, that we could grow world-class ingredients for cider. And we started with that vision. We didn't start with a label or a tap handle or a marketing plan. We started with trees. We started with a test orchard of 350 trees and 30 varieties. And some of you, I didn't make quite enough copies, but there, if, if you see that list of apple varieties, pass it on down the road and let other people look at it. Those are the apples that we tested out there in, at Foggy Ridge back in 1997. And you'll see there's a lot of romance on that page. There are uh, names like Cox's Orange Pippin and, and Ashmead's Colonel, Tremlett's Bitter, uh, Kingston Black, Yarlington Mill, Dabinette and Hughes crab apple. Some of the apples on that page, um, Shockley and Hughes and Harrison, are famous colonial American cider apples. They were ingredients that, that our forefathers chose. Um, <laughs> and some are classic English cider apples. And the reason I needed to grow ingredients is that you know all of you, I bet almost everybody in here is a good cook, a chef, or, or at least an appreciator of food. And we know how important ingredients are on the plate, but I think we are less aware of how important ingredients are in the glass. It always amazes me to go to a dinner prepared with beautiful Cherokee black tomatoes and grass-fed pork, and then the, the wine that's being served is, you know, some, something that came from concentrate from South America, flavored with all kinds of additives. And, and it wasn't chosen because it was evil, but there's just not an awareness that in that bottle of wine or cider or even beer, there are real agricultural ingredients in those beverages. And they deserve, those agricultural ingredients deserve just as much attention as what we put on our plate. So Foggy Ridge started with ingredients, and that brings me back to sex. So, um, <laughs> so apples, so when um, our country, North America had no apples that we think of, that did not exist, Malus domesticus, which is the apple we think of as an eating apple, did not exist in North America. There were two species of Malus, that's the apple genus, Malus sylvestris, which is the little wild crab apple that probably everybody played with as kids and you threw at your cousins and, and your mima made you know crab apple jelly yeah. out of it and great source of pectin oh, yeah. and also great stock to graft on. So if any of you know about grafting, you can graft genus to genus. So all of our settlers from the Spanish settlers early on throughout our colonization, you could come with a little stick of wood
from your favorite apple tree in England or France or Germany or Spain or Uzbekistan, which is where apples came from originally, the, the, the Stans, the, the Caucasus, that's the birthplace of apples. You could come with a little stick and you could graft it onto a wild apple tree and pretty soon you'd have whatever variety that was. And the reason for that is that um, apples don't come true to seed. So you could eat this apple, um, ash meets kernel, you could go out and plant the seed and you would get an apple but it would not be ash meets kernel because the pollination of the flower results in a fruit and the seeds of that fruit are the combination of the DNA of the parent. So to get true back to a variety, you have to graft. Now grafting, I'll just digress, um, Grafting is so easy. I encourage you to develop that skill. We give grafting workshops every winter, but your county extension office does too. You don't need to come to Foggy Ridge to learn how to graft. But it is a skill that you will love. You can make an apple tree, a fruit tree with all different kinds of varieties on it. You can graft ornamentals. Um, it's just a, it's a great skill, so learn how to graft. Because that's how our forebearers in this part of the world noticed this is a key skill for cooks, for chefs, is noticing. You look at how that fat is melting in the pan. You look at how that dish is crisping up. You smell it, you taste it, you touch it. It's a key skill for gardeners and for fruit growers is noticing. So you notice that, that wild apple that, that um, doesn't ripen until November and doesn't taste very good then, but long about March, it tastes really good. Well, all of a sudden, you're grafting that because oh, yeah. that's a valuable apple. And that's how all the apples on that list that you see, and many, many thousands more, that's how they were selected here in this country. They were selected because they had some value. They kept a long time. I mean, think about, I look, walk on our property, our farm's about 250 acres on the border of Carroll and Floyd County. We're right on Laurel Fork Creek. And I walk, our, and there is very little flat land. Our orchards are all like this, and I'm always afraid I'm gonna turn over on the tractor. Um, mm -hmm. We have one flat parking lot where they come in to, yep. to pick up bottles and, and uh, take them away. But um, whenever I walk that land, I think, you know, what it must have been like in January and February and March when the, there, weren't, there wasn't anything green left. You know, you, you're down to your root vegetables and your cellar. And wouldn't those apples have just been, those long-keeping apples like Newtown Pippin, or we call it Albemarle Pippin in, in Virginia, Arkansas Black, those apples that lasted well into the, the next year were so valuable. So just as a, our forefathers found apple varieties that suited their needs. The same is true for cider. So that brings me back to alcohol, which I know many of us are interested in. If you've just joined us, you're listening to a presentation from Diane Flint from the Appalachian Food Summit. She's talking about apples and cider. After the short break, we'll return to this conversation. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table is provided in part by Ellie's Home, providing fine flowers for home and garden, seasonal staging, and floral decor. You can always tell Ellie's Home. More information at elliesfloral.com. That is spelled E-L-L-I-E-S floral.com. 
Support for the Tennessee Farm Table comes to you in part from Magpie's Bakery in downtown Knoxville, just one block off of North Broadway on North Central Street. With a complete line of sweet treats for your upcoming Valentine, custom wedding cakes, pies, celebration cakes, cookies, cupcakes, cheesecakes, and homemade oatmeal cream pies. More information at magpiescakes.com and they're physically located at 846 North Central Street, Knoxville, Tennessee, 37917. Magpie's Cakes. All butter, all the time. And now, let's return to Diane Flint from Froggy Ridge Cider. So cider requires three ingredients. Think of it as a three-legged stool, and in making wine or cider, really any beverage, or probably any food, you're looking for balance. Yep. So you want sugar, which is going to ferment into alcohol. You want acidity, that crispness we all enjoy in a beverage, and you want tannin, which gives it body. And cider apples have all three of those, which means that about 40% of the apples on that list that you're looking at are not edible. They're full of tannin. They're spitters. You bite into a, a Dabinette or a Tremlett spitter or Yarlington Mill, and it's like um, it's like a unripe persimmon or a tea bag. It's just full of tannin. Um, and even um, I brought this Ashmead's kernel because it is our acid bomb, and I I particularly like this apple, but it is very acidic. And the apples that we have in the grocery store that you think of, the Fuji Gala. Um, what's everyone? Everybody likes Honeycrisp. Yeah. You ferment a Honeycrisp, it tastes like water. <laughs> All that sugar goes away, there's nothing there. There's not even much acidity. So back to cider and, and ingredients. Ingredients matter in the glass. And we started Foggy Ridge with the idea of starting from the ground up and growing ingredients and then to get it in the glass, not messing up those ingredients. Um, there are lots of ciders out there that are made from, um, from red delicious and, and golden delicious. And after they're fermented, they don't taste like much, so they get flavored with hops and bourbon barrels. And I have to say something pretty revolutionary for this group. When it comes to cider apples, local is probably not good. One of my uh, colleagues in another state proudly says we make all our cider with local apples and they're down about five miles from a red delicious orchard of 500 acres. And that's not a worthy, you know, it's not a, a very good thing to say about your cider to be made with red delicious apples. So I encourage you to, uh, to do a few things as consumers, and then I'm gonna wrap up. As a consumer, so what can you do to help this revival of apples? Um, the first thing is to eat ugly apples. Um, the, the apples that are in the grocery store that are all shiny, they don't have spots on them, fly specks, sooty blotch, um, they're, they're sprayed to look good. And those if you're at your farmer's market are not going to look like that. They're going to be ugly apples, but they're really going to taste good. So get comfortable with, with eating apples that are not at the standard of uh, you know, the, the food lion and the, and the food city grocery section. And the second is, this is also controversial, I encourage you to plant an apple tree. You grow dogwoods for Pete's sake, they're, they're <laughs> difficult, you know, they get fungus and all kinds of things. 
grow an apple tree. They have an undeserved reputation for being difficult. Um, you know, they, they do require some, do require some care. But if you pick a variety that's that's friendly, um, you will have a tree in your backyard <coughs> that will give you pleasure the rest of your life. You'll feed the deer. You'll feed yourself. You can make applesauce. You can dry them. You can um, you know eat them fresh. You can make pies. Um, and I'm happy to recommend <coughs> apples that will work for your part of the world. And there are lots of resources for that. And the last thing is to be aware of ingredients that are in your glass. You know, think about what you're drinking, and and, and be a thinking drinker, and find out about where your beverages come from. Show as much interest in that as you do your food. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to a presentation from Diane Flint of Froggy Ridge Cider. More information at froggyridgecider.com. This presentation from Diane was recorded by myself while attending the Appalachian Food Summit. The Appalachian Food Summit is a labor of love put together by a small group of individuals that are trying to make big change with our regional foods. To connect with this group, find them on Facebook at Appalachian Food Summit Working Group. This is Alan Benton, and you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. And now it's In the Kitchen with Mary Constantine, food writer for the Knoxville New Sentinel. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. I can't imagine that there's anyone that hasn't heard that phrase. Heck, I can't imagine a mother or father that hasn't said that to their child. I know I've said it to mine, and my mother used to say it to me. But there are a number of variations to that phrase with the first having occurred in 1913, presented by Elizabeth Wright, who had a Devonian dialect. Now, I have a good old Southern Appalachian dialect, but I am going to try my best to present it the way Elizabeth would have. Her phrases went, Eight a apple avore Gwen to bed, and you'll make the doctor beg his bread. Oh, well, at least none of us have wound up like poor old Snow White and her apple experience, right? If you're an apple lover like I am, you're going to enjoy this mulled cider recipe that I got from Martha Stewart. It highlights everything that an apple has to offer except the crunch. To prepare it, you need three cups of fresh apple cider, two cups of dry red wine, told you it was good, a half a cup pure maple syrup, one teaspoon whole black peppercorns, one orange or two tangerines sliced, and one medium apple. I prefer using the Granny Smith because of the tartness. 
Just combine everything in a medium-sized pot, you know, cut up the apple, okay? And then simmer it over medium-low heat for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Then you just put it in your favorite warmed mug and snuggle up next to the fire and the ones you love the most and enjoy. This is Mary Constantine with the Tennessee Farm Table. And now, here are a few events that are happening in our area that are agriculturally related. If you would like for me to mention your event of your nonprofit organization that's agriculturally related, just send the basics to me two weeks in advance of the event to amy at tennesseefarmtable.com. The annual Blunt County 4-H Horse Project Chili Supper and Auction will be held Saturday, February 6th. With homemade chili or soup, fixings, dessert, and drink for a suggested donation of $5 to benefit the 4-H Youth Horse Program. Supper begins at 6 and the auction will immediately follow. The location is Rio Central Church at 370 South Long Holler Road in Maryville. Tickets available at the door or advance at the UTTSU Extension Office located in downtown Maryville. More information with Extension Agent Jessica Waters online at extension.tennessee.edu slash blunt. Maine Support is a nonprofit organization located in Maryville, Tennessee that helps children and adults deal with grief, loss, and trauma through the use of horses. There's a new program called Horses Helping Heroes that will focus primarily on helping military families pre-deployment, during deployment, and post-deployment through the healing benefit of horses. They're having a fundraiser January 29th from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock p.m. at RT Lodge in Maryville, Tennessee. Reserve tickets by phone at 865-233-3090. More information about this organization at mainsupport.org, and that is spelled M-A-N-E. IAM's Nature Center in their gardening series presents a seed swap. That is next Saturday, January 31st, from 1 p.m. until 4 p.m. More information at iams.org. That is spelled I-J-A-M-S dot O-R-G. If you've just joined us, you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table radio show and podcast, broadcasting on the radio waves every Saturday morning from Knoxville, Tennessee at 89.9 FM and streamed live at WDVX.com. You can always listen to this show on your schedule at TennesseeFarmTable.com or check out our podcast. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table is brought to you by listeners just like yourselves. We want to say thank you so much for your support of this type of community broadcasting. And if you haven't done so or if you feel so inclined, you can make a tax-deductible donation at any time at WDVX.com. Thank you so much. And now it's time for the gospel portion of our radio broadcast. 
We like to call this our daily bread. And now let's hear from Carter and Ralph Stanley and the Clinch Mountain Boys. Beautiful gospel number called Jordan. For my podcast listeners, now I don't have the licensing rights in order to be able to play this gospel tune on the Tennessee Farm Table podcast. However, with our media partner in Knoxville, Tennessee, WDVX.com, this very show broadcasts every Saturday on the radio dial at 89.9 FM in downtown Knoxville, Tennessee, complete with musical selections. So if you'd like to check that out, WDVX.com, look for the archive feature called On Demand, and look for Tennessee Farm Table. They have the last two weeks of programming available. We want to say thank you so much for your great company here today on the Tennessee Farm Table. We hope that you can join us again right back here at 9 o'clock at WDVX.com or online at TennesseeFarmTable.com. Our theme song was written by myself, Amy Campbell, and beautifully performed by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. More information about Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. That's spelled T-H-E-E-M-I Sunshine.com. We want to say thank you to WDVX for bringing to you pure community broadcasting just like this show. They are our media partner, and we couldn't do this without them. More information at WDVX.com. We'd love to invite you to connect with us on Twitter and Facebook at TennesseeFarmTable.com and check out our podcast. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.